Oh, you guys are recording already. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, we're quick. Just, I'm just throwing. <laughs> oh that out man, there. you guys are quick. Yeah, we yeah. Do Nationals it. went went well. Uh, I think I got 18th or something. Uh, my rifle we ended up using for the team match. So on the last day, I didn't get to use my rifle. But it's one of those things that we uh, sacrifice everything for the team match. It, it comes before anything else. So how does that work? Because so, I guess I don't understand that format. You um you shot the individual part, which you got to use your gear. But then in the team portion, is that like a one-day event where you shoot an ag as a team? Correct. So you have four shooters, and they each shoot 40 shots. And then you take the, the ag of the eight members, uh, and that's how that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I reason see. we shot my rifle is because it shot so good that we were trying to give ourselves as good of a chance as winning the team as possible. Yeah. And... That's something we typically do. We throw, we put the best four rifles on the line, and mine just happened to be one of them. But because I'm a coach, I never intended to use my rifle for the team. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so I didn't bring enough ammo to shoot team and individuals. So all my ammo that I had for, for to shoot the rest of the individuals was used up for, for the team match. Gotcha. So for Sunday, which is the last day, I ended up using... Uh, you know, a different rifle, one that I borrowed from a teammate. And, uh, but anyway, uh, that's the definition of taking one for the team. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's, I mean, any of the members would have done it. So I do it. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, I mean, even if I shot perfect on, on the last day, I wasn't going to win. So it's at that point, you know, we, we Ricky Bobby it, right? If you're not yeah. first, you're last. <laughs> Shake and bake. If you're not first, you're Shake last. and bake. And uh, mm-hmm. at that point, it's like, well, just throw my rifle in there and see what happens. But, yeah, that's that's kind of how that went. But uh, 18th is uh, it's not terrible. How many it's shooters? Obviously, like, honestly, I don't know. Uh, 80 a, or 100. I was going to say, I thought there were usually quite a few people there, like over 100 or around 100. Yeah, well, it's the Nationals, right? So, and it's invite, is uh, it invite only, or how does that process work? No, no, anybody can show up and shoot. It's cool. Um, but, you know, uh, obviously the top shooters are there the, in the yep. nation because they're trying to win the nationals, right? Right. And kind of that's how that works. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, that kind of... Yeah, so, kind of so I, had a, I had a borrowed rifle, but, you know, uh, I had a few flyers. That that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to segue to. So when we had that conversation, <laughs> we were talking about cleaning, and I kept hearing you say the word flyer, and... It just kept like eating at my brain the more times you said it, because uh-huh. I've told I've told people like, you know, in I've never made it public, but I've always in the back of my head like I hear the word flyer and I cringe because I just see it as a, an excuse uh, for something that is probably inside their group, but they don't want to include it for whatever reason. Um, and right, and so. I said it the way I said it because I knew that if if we started having that conversation that it would add another hour to two hours to, <laughs> to that other podcast. But but I'm super excited that it's got like the response that it did when you started calling it out a little bit because I think it's worth talking about because I think we'll have more common ground. I think I told you I think we'll have more common ground by the time we're done with this discussion than than differences, you know. Right. So when the first time anybody said anything about that was Bob Bach, who is a super smart person. 
he, uh, I believe he's been a national champion, F-Class, and he was captain of the U.S. rifle team. I mean, very knowledgeable person. Uh, he also invented the ultrasonic toothbrush, so... Yeah, yeah. Smart, oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You sent me that episode, and if, if people cool. listening to this haven't seen it, we'll try to put a link into it. But yeah, that was a very interesting conversation, and thanks for sending that over. So he did yeah. say he was the first person that said, "I don't think flyers exist." Yeah. And ever since I talked to him, this is why I love talking to people, right? Because yeah, they give too. you something to think about. Yep. So every time I, ever since I started thinking, well, what if they don't exist? What if, what if he's right? So. I started, uh, after our last conversation, I started making Facebook or, you know, social media posts about what people thought. For, the first question was, do they exist, right? Right. And, I mean, it was just, just completely split, you know, like some people, was absolutely, some no, you know, I've seen it, I haven't seen it, or whatever. But, you know, it was a very vague, open question, which it was intended to be. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then on my second post, I believe I said, okay, well, uh, here's a group. Here's an example. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had, it was a, it was a perfect score at a thousand yards. And for F class, a perfect score is 20 shots inside of one MOA. Okay. Yeah. At a thousand yards. Inside of that group or inside of the one MOA target, we have the X target or the X ring, which is half MOA of those 20. 14 were inside of the X-ring, right? So almost 75% were inside of the X-ring. But I had, uh, and I had two, I believe, side to side, but I had some, I had, oh, I remember, I had two shots on top. Everything else was yeah, very flat. Exactly. Like, like X-ring vertical. And I had two shots that were higher up. And they were, those two shots that were higher up, they were actually stacked on top of each other almost, mm -hmm. right? Now, this is a thousand yards. So I asked, okay, are these two flyers or are they part of the group? Of course, that, the people that were already split up, I think some of them changed camps at that point, right? Well, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess they're flyers and some people would say, well, that's still, I mean, if I shot that group, I would be impressed, right? Yeah. Because it's still inside of one MOA at a thousand yards. So at that point, they start to really question, right? And I had people message me, say, Eric, those shots are outside the group. They're automatic flyers. Yeah. And I said, well, they're only out of the group by like two inches at a thousand. Yeah. It didn't matter. Once they're outside the group, they are flyers. And I said, okay. Which prompted my third post, which I had a separate target. Uh, that one was a 200 with 60 nexus, right? Yep. But that one had a shot up high and a shot down low, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else was, so it was even tighter than, than the previous one. But now the shots are split, one's on top, one's on the bottom. And then I circled the the shots, right? And yeah. I said, okay, this is one group, this is another group. Is this, you know, <laughs> so I think I defined it as uh, a flyer as being not in the group. Mm -hmm. Definitely or grossly outside the group, and then just absolutely not, not a flyer, a, yeah. and not a flyer, not a flyer being as it's not a flyer because something happened. Maybe there was a thermal condition out there, or maybe yeah. the the mirage came off the scope, you know, off the barrel, uh, you know, off of the barrel that uh, you know Close made you aim higher. Shift, yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, when, when or you, is it when you read or through is it those a bullet that had a nick in it, or you know what I'm. Yeah, when you read through those comments of the first thread, 
Um, I think the prevailing comment was like, it depends on your definition of a flyer. And I think that's probably where, where you're trying to draw some correlation is like Francis's example in the, in the cleaning episode was he had one round that would fall, you know, half, a half mil out of, out of the yeah, bottom yeah. of his group. And, and you guys were like, well, that's easy to call that a flyer. And that's probably where I would draw the line. Um, somewhere that's gross, like somewhere that's way, way outside. But I guess I don't, I don't know if we want to kind of break down what, what we mean by defining the flyer, like defining yeah. what an actual flyer is. Cause your, right, so. your, your first example was like, there was, like you said, two inches high in the group. Like are those yeah, flyers? Before, before we define that, I mean, I think it, the examples that you posted were really good examples of selective bias where you think you see something and <laughs> right. you don't want to say attribute it to yourself. But there's a hard question. If we took both of those high shots and just locate them to the three o'clock or the nine o'clock position, most people would the same people who'd say that's a flyer would argue that's a bad win call. You're saying like, just take oh, yeah. a string yeah. and, and draw it to the center of the group and no, just like, roll yeah, it so around. He has, his group was almost perfectly circular yeah. or very close to that water line. And then if you but if you move those same orientation from center um, and you move them from the top of the ten ring yeah, over just, to the far left of the group at the same adjacent space, you'd go, oh, those are bad wind calls. They're on the outer bounds of your group, but you, you could have made a better wind call. You needed to make a correction or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. so so the interesting part is that the flyer believers <laughs> yeah. are, they only think flyers are up and down. I agree. Never That's something side I've side. seen as well. Yeah, it's very rare that Which they a see flyer, a, a flyer should Technically, should be in every direction. It should go anywhere. Right? Yep, it's a flyer. It, it, it's it's <laughs> you don't know where it went, right? And that's one thing that I always say is like, okay, flyers go in every direction. So even if you know they can also go side to side, and they go no, 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 no. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Then if you can define if if you can exclude the ones that go side to side, then in that case, you should exclude also the ones that go, go up and down, bottom. Yeah, exactly. So now it becomes another. You know, another discussion, right? So, let me give you my definition of a flyer. Okay. Okay. Those that I posted, in my opinion, are not flyers. Okay. okay? A flyer would be, for example, uh, if I'm shooting inside the one MOA uh, target, and all of a sudden, I shoot it like something that is an eight up top, up bottom, in every direction, just just the wild shot that immediately after that, whether I chase it or I ignore it, the next shot will prove that it was a errant shot. It was a, let's call it a flyer for now, yeah. right? It's an unexplainable shot that is way outside of, of the scope or the, or the abilities of the rifle that, that it has proven that it can shoot. For example, it shoots, it, this is a rifle, oh, it can definitely shoot one MOA. All of a sudden, there's one shot that that takes that group that one you know that let's say call it a one MOA group and turns it into a three MOA group. It's only that one shot. To me, that's a flyer, right? Yep. Yeah. Now, having said that, it's happened to me where I had a quote unquote flyer. I was shooting a Texas State Championship, and I'm centered up, and all of a sudden I have a shot that goes down in the sixth ring, which means it just turned that one MOA Oof. group into about a five MOA group. Okay. It was just only one shot, and it was one shot out of. Sorry, we got. Oh man, GPS. 
180 shots or 150 shots. It was one. Oof. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that's definitely a flyer. However, it's like, what did it, right? And and the reason that it made me chase it, or at least try to figure out what happened, was because it was so grossly outside of the group. Right? So when you say it made you chase it, just in your mind you were thinking about what could have caused it? No, or you actually I mean, corrected? try to duplicate it. Okay. So I came home, and I started going through everything, okay? Well, lo and behold, uh, I... My my primer seeder was set up to really crush primers, mm-hmm. and I started testing. So I I made it crush even more, and then I started actually duplicating those results. So does that so, so does that mean that this is where my brain is all going? Of a sudden, it's not a flyer. Does that exactly? Does that yeah. mean that you still think it's a flyer, or you now that you know the root cause, it's not a flyer? Well, and, and that's where the definition really matters right yeah uh at that point right in my head is like okay it, w- it is no longer a flyer i know the cost right right and i was over- able to duplicate it multiple times but okay I think so i'm a, like okay there's an interesting point here between these two lines it's technically it is a flyer during the match because you have no idea when or how to predict it however right. once you find the cause it is no longer a flyer it is an error that you in your process. Correct. Yeah, Correct. The sooner we figure out how to convert flyers to errors, and then we can be yes. honest with ourselves, then we don't have flyers anymore. It's like a, a now, circular process. Here's the other one. Here's the other one, right? And like I said earlier, the only reason that I chased it, let's call it chase it or try to figure out, spend so much time trying to figure it out, is because it was so grossly outside the group. Exactly. Yeah. Had it been, uh, M, you know, had it turned a one MOE group into a two MOE group? I would have simply just called it a flyer and moved on with my day because it would have been, it would have been, it, it's a smaller thing that would have cost that, which is harder to find. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it remains a flyer. It, there's a fine line, right? Because it's, it's once you get outside of a certain group size, let's call it group size, it's a flyer, right? The signal and to noise ratio. It's, it's harder. It's harder to prove because it's 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 something minor, right? And then once it gets really far outside of that, it's a bigger flyer in a way. However, it becomes easier to prove or because or to duplicate because whatever it costs it, it's a big thing, right? So yeah, yeah. I think there's this fine line of no man's land where. Uh, it's very hard to figure out if it's a flyer or or an error, and uh, I'm starting to fall in the camp of the error. You know. Uh, yeah. So I guess what would make you comfortable to say where's that threshold? Maybe uh, if it falls outside of two times the precision of your typical precision of that firearm, would you call it an error that you should be going after? You're trying to figure it out, but if it's under the two times your average precision, maybe you just consider that your your group size and the signal to noise ratio is such that you're not it's not worth your time to go after it either you're going to choose to take a different barrel or a different lot of bullets or whatever you know like i don't know that you'll get to the exact root cause or be able to replicate it like what are your thoughts on picking a group size or that 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 in itself is hard to do because i'll give you another example i've been thinking about this ever since we talked about (laughs) it i have too so i just shot phoenix right i just went to phoenix and i shot Mm -hmm. there 
And I started paying attention to a lot of things that I typically wouldn't. For example, uh, you know, my gun, it, you know, shot really good. And that's the gun that I shot those targets with that I posted, right? Yeah, so it before, shoots really before good. Before you go, let's preface this because I think listeners are going to want to know. So what do you call shoots really good? Like give us a, a hundred well, the, the, yard size or something similar that helps us well, put I don't that do in context. I, I do a hundred. Like a hundred well, yeah. almost. It's it's like it'll ag sub quarter moy. Like, okay. And I mean ag. Like I can shoot five five groups of five shots each and they're all going to be under quarter moy, right? Okay. So it shoots really good. At a thousand, uh, no problems. If I'm shooting three shot groups, it shoots about. I have shot 1.9 inch groups with it. I've shot three inch groups, but they're always in the quarter. Like, if I should shoot a five, if I shoot a five a five inch group at a thousand, I'm like, oh no, something's wrong. You know what I mean? That gun shoots like, <laughs> let's call it. It's an honest three three point three yeah. to point four MOA gun at a thousand. Okay. Yeah, so okay. sub easy so sub half really good. at a thousand yards. So qu- sub quarter at a hundred, easy sub half at a thousand. Those are, I think, Correct. good bookends for people listening, so they have an idea of how yeah. things change. So it's a distance. really good. So it's a really good rifle. Yeah. Okay. When I get to Phoenix, uh, I was thinking about this, about you know, because some people would say, well, two X outside group it's a flyer or some people are saying 3x or you know the the radius or you know there were so many different things thrown out there well so i'm shooting and the wind's coming from the right okay mm-hmm. and i'm shooting and it's windy i mean it's been avery you know it's windy and uh then i stopped because the wind started dying down and i said well i'm gonna stop and i stopped well then i had to jump back in but now the wind's coming from the left okay the very first thing I did was put half a moy up yep. before I start shooting because it's gonna, the bullet's going to dip, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Coming from the, coming from, when it comes from the left, the bullet dips. When it comes from the right, it, it causes the bullet to, it doesn't rise. It just doesn't fall as much. Correct. <laughs> make the clarification. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the, like, without even thinking, I just put half a moy up and I go to shooting, right? And, I, and after the fact, I started thinking, wait a minute. If somebody that doesn't know what I know or, like, what you guys would know, they would have just said, oh, man, this group really opened up. Or this, this like, if they only took yeah. one shot in a different wind, they would say, oh, there's a flyer. Because that one is outside the group. No. The wind condition changed. Mm-hmm. So, all that to say this. The group sometimes simply gets bigger because of conditions, right? That's why we like to shoot in the morning or late in the evening, right? Because the groups are smaller. Yeah. Conditions drastically change the group size or, or the ability for a gun to shoot small. Also, aiming at a 1,000-yard target at 2 p.m. in Phoenix yeah. is very hard, Yeah. right? So uh, I don't know that simply saying a shot that's outside by 2 or 3x is easy enough to say that's a flyer because it could mean, you know, there could be a lot of other things going on. And sometimes just things that the shooter doesn't know. It would be easy enough to stack, say, two to three of those variables and end up two to three times your group size out of just normal shooting. Like, so wind coming from your left, you zeroed and trued with wind from the right. Then your wind is also at a higher value and Mirage is changing your point of aim or your clarity on target. You might stack all those things to end up two to three tenths left or right or high or low that have nothing to do with the gun's inherent precision. 
Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you shoot a limited amount of shots, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so those, those those shots, I shot I shot twenty shots on that group that I posted on social media, and two were higher, right? Mm-hmm. But what if I shoot a hundred shots? Or is it only still going to be just those two shots, or is it eventually going to populate the entire thing to where those two shots are all of a sudden part of the group, and maybe we have one or two or more shots that are outside of that next group, right? Mm-hmm. Like, at what point are they flyers, yeah. or at what point is, are they simply just predicting uh, what the you know what the rifle actually does in a very long string of fire? Yeah. So my take on this is really similar to yours. Um, but I think I also have some, some other criteria that we might have some useful common ground. And I think you demonstrated this in your analogy. Um, we think the same way, and maybe Chad does too. Um, my sort of flyer definition, when I choose my, call it, ignore it moment, is when I have something that happens that is more than about three times my average radius to center. So I generally shoot mm-hmm. around a, a 0.3 to 0.4 inch group. Let's just for the sake of argument call it two-tenths tall. That's actually like a 0.6 extreme, right? So if I'm okay. high or low of that point of aim by three-tenths, that was not. I have to check my dial immediately, check the target that I'm shooting at, and if all of those things are correct, and I'm still, say, three-tenths off-center, because I expect to only be one-tenth high or one-tenth low, uh, approximately, right. if it gets to three-tenths low, three-tenths high, I know that something dramatic happened that was outside my control. And I'm not going to chase that shot because the next shot will tell me whether it was repeatable. Um, So the very next shot, so one goes three-tenths low out of the group or high or pick a number. Um, The next shot will be on the, I won't even, I'll completely ignore it, repeat to the same target. And if it acts normally, hey, something's happening, but there's nothing I can do to predict that. Just trust what's happened in the past. If it duplicates and I end up another three-tenths low, now I'm immediately going to start hedging my way towards that correction on any significant, any targets from that point forward until it comes back to center. And this, I think, is kind of that hard line to define. You know, there's there's something that we call a flyer when we're shooting a group, but then there's something that we have to account for. We can't just wait for flyers to occur and not correct for something that's systemic within your, your platform. So I use that three, essentially a three-tenths rule in my shooting because anything outside of that is very likely not me. I undercharged the case, overcharged the case, and it was fast. Or You said three-tenths, and that's from the center. From point of so aim. So that's a total of basically... That's three times my radius. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. so my radius... Of, so, one MOA. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's one MOA it's up out. one or down one. Yep. It's, that's definitely not common for what the precision of your rifle is. And usually, since PRS is like multiple target distance engagements, <laughs> lots of times it's indicative that... that the range to target was wrong and, and you weren't able to range it or they didn't exactly. give you the right range. Yeah. Um, so that's so why I always default to that half distance when I think there's something vertically going on because the next target might be ranged properly and I won't have that same issue. I'll just see, oh, I'm hitting high? Okay. I'll then come off the line and immediately rearrange the target that had that error to confirm whether it was something on me or something on you know the target specifically. Um, but from that, the larger, and we talked about signal to noise is a key word that I use a lot in um, my day to day. But signal to noise is really important here because as you shrink that and you become unable to separate, you know, each component of precision from another, and they're all contributing in an equal amount. You know, a, a one MOA group might be one tenth MOA and one tenth MOA, one tenth MOA, one tenth, and then a half MOA gun with 
five-tenths of other variables between your ability to maintain rifle's NPA, your ability to drive the rifle through the shot, past recoil, staying on target, wind, aerodynamic jump, environmentals, temperature, and your, you know, your ability to give a good solution in your solver. All those things make it a one MOA gun. But if you can eliminate all the little one-tenths, you end up with a half MOA gun. And there's probably even more to be had from there, depending on, you know, your rifle. So I think we're pretty similar yeah. in that regard. Yeah, uh, you know, the more I think about it, <laughs> the, the less I believe flyers exist. Yeah. Uh, because, for example, I'll give you another example. A friend of mine, uh, he was shooting, and he was clean, or, you know, he was pretty well centered up on the target, right? But we just happened to be filming that. And uh, when we were reviewing the footage, on his 19th shot, he hit a perfectly centered X, Right. So then he just gets on the gun real fast and shoots his 20 shot, right? And before the target's going up, I mean, before the target starts to come down, his legs are up, his head is, like, he's he's acting completely different than all the other shots, yeah. right? Well, guess what? The target comes up, and it's a 9 at 3 o'clock. Yeah. And, and now, we've just shot, he just shot 20 shots, and the wind didn't really change hardly any, okay? Like, you were, he wasn't having to move, move much. The last shot, the target comes up and it's to the right, and he goes, "I can't believe the wind switched that much." And I said, yeah, "I can't either." I don't think the wind did. <laughs> and he goes, "Well, what other explanation do you have?" I said, "Well, look at look you. At look, video. look how you, you, you anticipated that shot. You thought I'm done. I'm out. Here's another X." He goes, "Yeah, I shot it really fast because I didn't want the wind to change, but." Look how much it changed. I said, I don't think it did. I think you pulled that shot. Mm-hmm. And he's like, ah, there's no way I pulled it. And I said, well, do the math. It only takes, I forgot, we did the math. It, it only yeah. takes like, if you move with that barrel like four thousandths of an inch. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Three to four thousandths That's enough of an to inch. put you in the, in the nine ring at a thousand yards. I said, it doesn't take much. That's the thickness of a, a human hair. Yep. Yeah, I'll give you a I very... Said, s- and if, Go ahead. But anyway, so I, I said, okay, well, I don't think the way, I think that's just you where you know what i mean so it to him it was the wind which it hadn't changed so it now it becomes unexplainable but then watching the video over and over like you pull that shot you yeah know? well there's another was, <laughs> there's another term there that that gets thrown around quite a bit i pulled that shot and uh i'd rather hear that honestly than the word flyer but i'm not here to say that flyers don't exist i personally don't really believe that they unless they're very gross they don't exist in my shooting because we've already flushed out all these variables in our reloading process and our our bullets and you and i both point you and i both point trim and point our well i trim and i point do you trim or just i used to i don't i no longer so you're sorting and then pointing basically correct okay so i have touched my projectile three or four times so I know that I don't have any issues with my bullets. That's one of the other benefits of pointing is that if there's a little gouge in the jacket or something weird, like that gets put into a fouling round. But, but I, I'm pretty confident that I don't, I use the, the phrase, I don't believe in flyers because I think that if it's makes my group bigger, then I need to own it. And owning that shot is far more valuable because it means that you are going to do something about it, whether it's, your ammo, your maintenance or cleanliness of your rifle, or even more so, look inward and say, what can I do to make that shot 
in my group that's I'm agreeing is in my group, make it a smaller group. And there's an example I had from a match this year, earlier in the year, where I was having a great match. I mean, and I still finished great, but I was in a, um, a high-speed scenario where there was 10 positions and 10 shots, and they were just a big, small target from each position. Mm-hmm. And and I missed one off the right. And in my mind, I could see what happened. I mean, the rifle was just, I was forcing it on target. I was very stable, but it, my rifle was not at its natural point of aim. And it and it jumped really hard that way, and I and I ignored it because I knew like okay that was me, and then I had one other shot uh, on my seventh shot that went the other direction, and I got off the line with an eight. And I felt pretty good about it, but basically I held the same the whole time because I knew that there was not a single condition environmentally that could have caused those shots one to go right, one to go left, um, and I right. got off the line and somebody came up to me and was like oh man those are some awesome like corrections you did I said. I didn't do a damn thing different. Like I knew yeah. that those no, shots see, were representative what you of say. what you know what I did. To, I I created you those shots. You just say thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. Actually, grow. that's funny, Eric, because I did. But then I went two stages later and I talked to this person because I wanted them to understand that they need to own those shots as well. Otherwise, yes. they're going to correct. I agree. And yeah. you know they were a good enough shooter to to be able to see where they missed and correct, and then they're going to waste more shots. So just like we're doing this podcast and you do your video series we're trying to help people understand you know what's going on in our minds and how we can help other people and i didn't at first i did say thank you and then i went back two stages later and explained it so <laughs> yeah because i felt so, bad <laughs> so this reminds me of a another scenario where i was coaching so i coach a lot you know, i'm a wing coach and we're shooting the texas state championship and i'm coaching right mm-hmm and you know the reason we the, the way we coach is we we simply aim on target left two or left three just rings you know what i mean yeah. every ring is half a away so it's you know whatever two and a half whatever but anyway the point is i gave a call to a shooter and i said give me a right three and he it's like an x right mm-hmm. and i'm like right three x right three nine out you know perfect waterline like perfectly flat but it's off to the side and I look at the flags and I look at the mirage and I go bullshit it doesn't make sense right three boom X right three boom X anyway after the fact he goes I have never heard anybody call win like you did everybody always chases it and I go well I was 100% sure so I was so sure that I was willing to take another nine Mm -hmm. and he goes man I've, I've never had anybody coach with that kind of confidence and I go I don't know what it was. So the point is, I was on it that day. We ended up winning the, the national, you know, the, the state championship. But he said uh, he was amazed, right? Because he was a newer shooter at the time. Um, but he, he was amazed at how I could just simply ignore a nine. And I said, it made no sense. So I'm not going to chase it. Kind of like you're talking about that, right? Yeah. Um, well, during the nationals this year, during the team match, we were perfectly centered up and all of a sudden we get an eight just out there mm-hmm. and of course we hit the brakes and uh, we have a head coach and I'm and, and I am the back coach right so the head coach goes that makes no sense and I go I agree but we got to look at the conditions right so we examined the conditions we looked at the flags we compare notes then I said it makes no sense However, if we're wrong, we're going to shoot another eight. Yeah. All right. So let's 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 split the difference, and 
instead of giving us a chance of hitting a 10 or an 8, let's give ourselves the chance to hit a 9 or, or a 10 or an X, right? Mm-hmm. So we ended up doing that. We moved over, and guess what? We hit a 9. So we went back to our previous hold where we held for the 8, and we started shooting 10s and Xs again, right? Yeah. So yeah. now, all that to say that that shot, even though we both agreed, he agreed more <laughs> that it was a BS shot, uh, we still should have ignored it, right? Hindsight. But it's hard to ignore an eight, you know? It is because we think... Especially when it was perfectly flat. Yeah, we think that we're not capable of making that gross an error. Like, if I yank a shot, you know, one and a half MOA, I'm using MOA, one and a half MOA left of point of aim in a windless condition at, say, zero, like at 100 yards practicing. Oh, something's that's not right. I can never do that, right? Well, maybe I'm rusty. The bag wasn't settled, and I'm getting a lot of right shoulder into the gun. Cheek pressure's a little high. That's a high left or hard left scenario more often than it's not. And, it, you know, your first shot or two on a cold day, yeah, you might end up doing that without actually realizing that's the root cause. Add enough adrenaline, and you're not actually aware of all the small nuanced muscles that are firing a little out of sequence when you get energized. And that's all, I mean, like we just said, right? You can blow out the nine ring, you know, one or so MOA left of point of aim simply with four thousandths four thousand or so muzzle motion um, during the time that the rifle, from the time you click and the, the firing pin is falling to the time the bullet exits, four thousandths of an inch will take you off target. Or, well, one MOA. Oh, yeah. And that, I think that highlights the, not only the skill that it takes to execute multiple shots downrange, I mean, forget all the environmentals. Maintaining that level of angular consistency and how you're aiming on a target is extraordinarily difficult under the best of conditions, let alone when you add environmentals that are manipulating you. But there's also one point that we, you know, I think a lot of other shooters listening to this may have a little bit of a, you know, the nagging question. Well, what if my gun really is only capable of one MOA? There's, it, I've, it, something is wrong with it, Right. Well, it's possible your gun is truly only capable of one MOA if it's not, you know, if it's a factory rifle with a poor barrel or the bullets aren't, um, you know, well-constructed and giving you good precision as they exit or consistency and uniformity. It might actually be a one MOA rifle. And the really hard part is figuring out whether it's the rifle or whether it's you. Yeah. Well, that's pretty easy if you're at the range. Just have somebody else shoot it. Exactly where (laughs) I was going to go. Yep. And that's kind of where I was hoping you'd... You take it, because you guys switch rifles all the time. You did it earlier, and that's kind of why I was, you know, I thought this would be a good segue to help also bring in that component. Assessing how good your rifle, your system, really is. So, we have this little trick that we do. I don't know if it's a trick. We have known good rifles. Like, I have a, a known good rifle. Do you guys have that? Um... I mean, there's rifles I trust and barrels I trust, but <laughs> they're all about the same they to me feed, in my yeah, mind. They, in my last well, 10, so in F class, yeah. In F class, we have like, you know, every now and then you run across a barrel that is like, oh, this is this is going to the world championship. You know what I mean? And but anyway, it's a really good combination. Everything about it just works so good, right? Mm-hmm. And and then we go on and and. A friend of mine and I were having this conversation just a week ago, and he said he started really thinking, man, I'm, I'm just, I don't have it. I don't shoot as good as I used to, you know? And he really started questioning himself, and then, he, and then he's like, you know what? I'm going to grab that rifle, you know, the, the one, right? Mm-hmm. 
And he took it to the range along with the other one that he's been working on. And guess what? He just realized he can still shoot. It's just <laughs> his rifle was not up to par, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing happened to uh, one of my guys that that uh, one of my teammates here. He uh, his uh, his dad was really frustrated because he couldn't shoot anymore. You know, he's getting older. His eyes are bad. Blah blah blah. Right? Can't shoot anymore. And I said, here. And I handed him my six BR. I said, here's a box of ammo. Take that to your dad, and just tell him to shoot it. He stacked a five shot group that measured like. Point one eight or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his dad's like, "Holy crap! I thought it was me." You know what I mean? So at at some point, it's the rifle, yep. right? And I like like Jack Neary said, when we shoot good, we give ourselves too much credit. Yeah, that's a, I've never heard that, but and that sounds cool. Here, he, he, well, here's the other one, the other side of that. Goes, <laughs> when and when bad. we shoot bad, we also give ourselves too much credit. Yeah. I think that's a really fair way to say it. Or we blame it on the rifle. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. sometimes it's the rifle. Sometimes it is absolutely the rifle. And you don't know unless you either have a known good rifle or, like you guys said earlier, just have somebody else shoot it for you mm-hmm. and, yeah. and really put it through its paces and see if it shoots or doesn't shoot or, or what's going on. Uh, because... You know, some rifles just don't shoot. Yeah, I mean, um, so way back in the day when I first started, I built one of my first rifles was a Howa. Well, actually, first weather was a Weatherby Vanguard in three hundred eight. That's what I shot F class with in practice, and I'm, it was not the right rifle for that. I, I didn't know Obviously. that because I didn't buy it for that. But <laughs> I got to shoot F class with a twenty two inch barreled three hundred eight with a Hogue Weatherby stock or whatever the heck it came with. It was horrible, uh-huh. and. uh I, I mean, I was. I think I was shooting like maybe 185s to 195s, and I'm like, man, I'm doing really good. This is, yeah, I'm not. I wasn't good, but uh, <laughs> I then switched and bought a 6.5 Creed shortly thereafter and started just learning this new caliber. And I was blown away when I would learn. And this had a Hogue as well. Um, a buddy of mine, I immediately ripped that off and put something else on. But when I was breaking my rifle in, it shot really poor and then awesome and then really poor and then awesome and I put it in a manners uh, T4A and then all of a sudden the thing is like constantly half and I'm oh this is the greatest thing ever like this stock really <laughs> made a difference and I didn't understand why until I shot it more and realized when I watched the Hogue like it literally just the amount of flex in the forend under recoil under pressure it just been, let the gun sort of act like it was on a springy bed and my buddy built, uh-huh. built one. He wanted one. So I'm like, okay, I'll help you build one. He puts it together, um, and we start shooting, and I help him tune a, quote, tune a load for it. I just started with my load, and he's shooting like, I don't know, five or so inches or so at 400 yards, six inches at 400 uh-huh. yards. And I'm like, let me try this. And it was a 388-yard range, uh, five shots into a quarter. It was a one-inch group. And it's because I had shot that specific I'm going to call it a stock with a really air quotes because I don't even know that overmolds actually qualify <laughs> anymore. Um, and then he tried duplicating and it couldn't. And then the next group, I did the same thing and it was around a, a little over an inch, but at 400 yards. And it's just because exactly what we're talking about. Sometimes driving the rifle system is far harder than we think it is when we're new. Like we just don't know how to manipulate the rifle the same way every single time. 
And that was, and some equipment can literally make or break the difference for making it easier for you to do the same thing every single time. And I'm sure you guys do that in F class because of the bags you use. They're designed oh, to help everything, you. Oh, everything. It's got to be exactly the same. And it does what you're talking oh, yeah. quarter it, sub quarter. Yeah. So this morning we went out shooting and we have those two need more rifles that we've been working on. Mm hmm. And one of them. Did you just say we need? Left. You haven't need seen more? that series? It's awesome. They, 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 tell, oh, yeah, tell the about the series. More. Yeah, tell about the series because some right, people so on the, our the podcast. Five, I'll, I'll give you a quick, quick rundown on the series. We took two factory Remington 700 rifles, $599 rifles, mm-hmm. 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. And the series is called the 6.5 Needs More, right? Yeah. One of those rifles uh, started at 3.5 MOA, the other one was 1.5. And, well, and we started upgrading them, right? So. When it shot three and a half MOA, it obviously needed more, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's, that's where the, the needs sure. more series. So uh, we've been upgrading these rifles to the point that they are almost, I could call them consistent half MOA rifles. Okay. Uh, but this morning, uh, we've been kind of keeping one stock and the other one we've been upgrading. Now we're at a point where we just upgraded them both, except for one, we threw a uh, Flavio Fare trigger in there. It's about a $500 trigger mm-hmm. and a tub dual spring system. Okay. And the other one has a, uh, Oryx chassis, has the, one of my tuner brakes and they have, uh, you know, collar scopes. I mean, it's, it's, they're all decked out, right? So curious. The and I'll watch is, the video, but what's this two spring? Is this a bolt action, right? They're both bolts. Yeah. So, okay. so, uh, David Tubb has a, a, a spring system, you know, uh, just a, a Iron pin spring. Yep. Oh, okay. Opposing. I got springs. you. I see what you're saying. Yep. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Firing oh. pin spring. Good to go. I was thinking yeah. of his flat wire oh. springs, and I'm like, it's that's oh, no, an no. AR uh, product. Uh, yeah. I got it. Fire pin spring. Yep. But anyway, uh, but so one has an amazing trigger, uh, Flavio Fare custom handmade Italian trigger, and the other one has a Remington trigger. Well, Jason, who is a former Green Beret sniper. He can shoot that rifle with a really heavy trigger really good. Because guess what? In the military for many, many, many years uh, that he was in there, he never had a custom trigger in his rifle. <laughs> Six-pound you know trigger I mean? the whole time. Yeah, two and a half exactly. pounds is pretty light for a mil-spec and, rifle. And he, so he was shooting that rifle really good. Well, then he moves over to the next one, which has a probably a, I don't know what we have it set at, a pound or under. Flavio Fare, which brings in there. That's anyway, amazing trigger. And boom, he pulls the first shot. He misses the target completely because he's like, "Whoa, I, I completely pulled the shot." Because he was anticipating that trigger to be super heavy. He's he's manhandling the rifle, right? Mm-hmm. And and it just goes off and he misses, right? So all that to say that different shooters can handle different equipment differently, right? Yeah, and that's where you can't. It, it's really helpful to. I always tell new shooters, I said, find somebody who's doing really good and just copy everything, like their gear, their their equip, everything. Just duplicate what works for them and get it to work for you. Because once you start with a known system, then you just know it's you that you need to work on. When you start with an unknown, you don't know if it's you or the rifle, or the bag, or the bipod, or you name it, well, or the scope, if, or, this, or, or the rings. Plus, if you 
grab different stuff that's new or whatever, like the people around you have a harder time helping you diagnose what the problem is. So, yeah, you know, if, oh, you've, yeah. if you've copied or, you know, used a lot of the things that the people around you are having success with, then you've got a resource that you can lean on if you, if you have questions and they're intimate with the products too. Yeah. So, you know, uh, like you said, you were shooting one, one, you know, one inch groups with your friend's rifle. Uh, and he couldn't. That doesn't mean he's not a good shooter. No. It just means something is not working for him. Right. Exactly. And it's possibly yeah. just form. Just go fire for, uh, just go dry fire the thing for yeah. a thousand rounds. That's exactly it. You might have times. somebody around you. I, I had personally, I had several hundred rounds, you know, hundreds of rounds on the same platform with the crappy stock. And he had the experience of zero on that one. So once we were shooting it, it was. I had a 600, 700 round head start on how to make it shoot its best. But you can't articulate that to someone who, I mean, has decent fundamentals. They're not yanking triggers per se. They may not be doing all the things right. But I think the point is to say from system one to system two or person, you know, a system to two different people, I can't tell any one shooter, hey, so this should feel like three ten thousandths of a second of compression on your shoulder followed by dead like dead hand on your trigger like that doesn't mean anything because it's completely useless but what we can do is you can figure out what it should feel like over time and just slowly put correlations to i felt like i had really high cheek pressure okay now try no cheek pressure okay try heavy shoulder pressure okay try none now and start to watch what happens on target and with enough samples you'll start to develop a pattern and you hone in on what both feels natural and hopefully what works the best for your sport or your, your needs. Cause you know, PRS is a little different than F class. Um, I know you, I think if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but F class, you know, you really, you have to touch the rifle in terms of shoulder pressure, but it's no. really minimal, correct? Or you don't have to anymore. No, you, you can do whatever you want pretty much. Oh, is uh, that FTR? I think was the one it used to be. I remember we well, had the, the same thing. They're, okay. they're both under the same rules. Okay. Uh, I didn't know. That. However, uh, some people prefer to free recoil. Some people prefer to hold the rifle. I myself just hold on to the rifle. I shoot it like a hunting rifle. Yeah. Right? Uh, like I would shoot a PRS rifle. I shoot mm-hmm. that's how I shoot my rifle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, some people say, well, I saw so-and-so, he was free recoiling, and, and he was doing really good. I think I'm going to do that. I go, no, <laughs> you can't. I said, I do really good holding the rifle, and I know many others that hold the rifle. I said, you just need to do what works for you. And I tell them exactly what you just said. I said, go to 100 yards, set up a target, and practice free, free recoil. Shoot a few groups. Practice holding onto the rifle. Practice hard cheek pressure. Practice low, you know, just different variations and keep track. And you're going to find something that works better for you. And once it works, then you just work on that. Just work on it for a very long time. Just dry fire, dry fire, dry fire. And, and then you're going to find what works for you. I said, I used to free recoil, and then I moved to a Magnum, and I, that didn't work at all. Mm-hmm, so yeah. I had to start holding the rifle. Once I got away from the Magnum, I just kept holding the rifle, and it just works really good for me. So but many people, it just doesn't work for them. Can I ask, because I, I have my theory on this, and I, I mean, I'll, we both drive the rifle somewhere between, you know, we're not free recoil, but we're not also white-knuckling anything, right? We're in between. Right. Um, I personally have come f- more full circle back to harder pressure generally is better more often than not. And it's not because I'm any more precise 
all the time. It's that I seem more consistent more often. Like I, I have very few unpredictable shots. The point of aim to point to group center is very consistent when I'm using moderate pressure, free recoil. I remember specific days, like some days I'd be a 10th left. Some days I'd be right on point of aim. Some days I'd be a 10th right. And it's a little too much for day-to-day variance, even, or even group to group within a day. And I'm like that, you ag all of those together and your total group is now quite large. Even though any five shots are small, the, the sum of all of them is quite large. So what that would mean is you know, for us, well, they're um, flyers. Yeah, well, for yeah, well, the exactly. Group for us, <laughs> yeah, the group center is moving around. So over the course of you say a, a twenty-stage match, every single stage, I'm actually adding a tenth or two of variation to p- group center. I can never really trust where my group actually is. Whereas as soon as I started driving the rifle a little more, all of a sudden I can really go to town. That my group center should never vary more than a tenth of an inch on average. Uh, it's a it's a point two two actually I know the exact diameter it's a point two two inch circle for my group centers on ten ten shot groups back to back to back breaking yeah. position on all of them so that means it's a point one inch radius I should be within for ten shots that's where the group center should fall and I know I'm within point one of it I think a lot of people may not understand how finely your group center can actually hurt your ability to understand not only precision, but day-to-day precision versus accuracy are actually more inherently coupled than we think. I'm glad that you brought it to this because I, I feel like people don't don't en- ultimately end on knowing what the precision of their rifle is because they don't shoot enough. And you and I have both shot multiple barrel break-ins yeah. with hundreds of rounds, and they're all on paper, and they're all... You know, we shoot 10 rounds and let it cool for a couple minutes, shoot 10 rounds. So it's similar conditions. Um, you are breaking your position at least every 10 rounds. And you can watch your group center migrate um, around that paper just a little bit. Wobbling you know? just ever so slightly. Yep. And and, it, and that's with perfect parallax. Um, there could be varying light and environmental conditions slightly. But I feel like if you take any one of those groups, their average size, you know, usually for us is around 0.3. Mm-hmm. Uh, is you know aggregate for everything if you put it together, but but if you look at where the group centers end up, then it and it, it makes grows it even more. Yeah, it makes it a little bigger, which is what you're yeah. saying. So I just think people um, don't have a good understanding of what their actual cone of fire could be, especially when you put the pressures of time and some of these crazy PRS course of fire where you got these mental games that take you out of your process if your process is not super super disciplined to where you do the same thing every time um i just think people need to be more honest with themselves on what their actual cone of fire is in these scenarios well and that requires trigger time right yeah and that there's very few things that can beat trigger time and and purpose purposeful trigger time time. purposeful trigger time. yeah let me emphasize that because qualitative like I said last time, last the last week I've been or last month or whatever I've been really thinking about these flyer thing right so I'm just literally paying attention to everything that's going on and I go okay that shot went low but that's because the wind switched and that's because the you know this that or the other you know what I mean and it's like it's not really a flyer like I was explaining flyers that before or you know I would have just said oh that's a flyer but mm-hmm. I'm like no there's an explanation for it now. Do they exist? Uh, back to the flyer thing. I, I'm still on the fence. I think they do, but 
I think the definition is different now. My definition, a flyer is simply an unexplained shot. Mm-hmm. Right. Or an unexplained error, right? Yeah, one um, of the two. And I think, I think, so in the definition that most people would call it a flyer, I don't think they exist. Uh, it's just something that we don't know. But I think something cost it. And what cost it? Well, you just never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the simple the simple explanation of oh it's outside the group it's flyer I don't think that's that's a good one I uh, I'll give you one last example uh, about when I shot I just happened to catch it on video I shot five shots at a thousand yards the first four shots went into point three not point three more I'm talking like three hundredths of an inch oh point three eight a thousand yards I thought you were up yeah. well, all right that's not yeah, you've done that before. You said the rifle shoots that all the time, so no big deal. I get what you're no, saying. No, this bullet is, hole. This We're is talking three hundred inside of the this bullet is the first, <laughs> Yeah, this is the first four shots. Okay. Wow. My last shot uh, went. Oh, so my last shot opened the group up to one point three inches. This is five shots at a thousand yards. You could do 1. better than that. Come on, terrible. Eric. Terrible. That's jeez. Everybody so, knows the inch rule. So, so here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Okay, that group is point. It was one point three inches, I, I believe, at a thousand yards, which is about one point twenty five MOA. Okay, or one point one twenty five. Eight, yeah, point one twenty five. Yeah, okay. eight MOA. Either way, it's way smaller. Yeah, yeah. Point. Th- there you go. Point one twenty five. Okay. Yeah. So people were saying, "You pulled the last shot. <laughs> you pulled it. You pulled it." And or they were saying that was a flyer, right? This is this is how crazy this flyer. Uh, conversation uh, goes, <laughs> and 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 one guy he said he messaged me. He goes, "You pulled the last shot." I said, "Ah, nope, I didn't pull it." Up. <laughs> I'm like, "Look, I would own it." If I, I said, "But if I can, if I could, if I, if me pulling a shot means it's less than an inch at a thousand yards, did I Ooh. really pull it? You know what I mean?" What would be cool is if you took that same group and you showed them an equivalent four shot at 100 yards and they would go that's a bug hole that's a perfect well, group because you couldn't I took it farther okay. I took it farther right because this is a .125 group yeah, the aiming dot on the on the reticle is .125 mm-hmm. so the the dot group is the same size as the dot so if I could if I could see it <laughs> cover it up yeah you could the literally cover up your the group. entire group the yeah. group can it really get any better than that? No. You know what I'm saying? But all this, to, because I'm bringing this up because even then people were saying, that's a flyer. That's a flyer. Or you pull that shot. And yeah. it's like, wow, how? how? <laughs> but this is unrealistic to now, expectations 101. Before you really understand. Exactly. And when you think you know, but you really, you don't know what you don't know. And you're just on the upswing. And, you know, anybody who's listening that's newer to this and, look up something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? As you learn more, you start to think you're becoming expert in something, and you start to know, this is it. And a lot of people will stop their exploration of new skills, techniques, strategies, and learning on the upslope of the first, let's call it their first adventure into something. They feel that they've become much more expert in a subject matter than they really have. They've just opened their eyes to all the new, and then the new becomes, I know it, I know more than most, and therefore, now I'm expert. Well, this is kind of a classic example of that. Someone who may have shot long range but doesn't understand because they haven't put a hundred, you know, 
tens of thousands of rounds down range with tiny barrels or they're just used to this quote one inch mantra right and they don't realize mm-hmm. that the one inch is different at a hundred than it is at a thousand <laughs> like it's it's yeah. very possible and <laughs> look up the dunning kruger effect if you don't know what it is it'll so, be the, a really the best cool way i can uh, explain that the dunning kruger effect is yeah. it's when you know you know enough about a topic to think that you are right <laughs> but but not enough to know that you are wrong Exactly. It's very well said. But yeah, it's a really cool effect, and I think it'll humble a lot of people, including myself. I'm just fortunate enough to know it. That I, yeah. I know that I can try to close my mouth before I open it more often now because I, know <laughs> Good luck I probably that, don't know it. Good luck. I know. <laughs> well, I am. Uh, it, 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 it's yeah. very interesting. Every conversation that, that goes on, I'm sure PRS, F class, I mean, there's so many, you know, banteress, so many different topics, you know, Flyer being one of them that. You know, uh, like I, I did an interview with uh, with uh, Jack Neary, and he rattled off every shape of a group, like off the I top of his that. head. Yeah, and he would tell you what the fix is for that group. If the group is, you know, horizontal, you got to do this, and if it's vertical, you got to do that. If it's horizontal, you got to do that, and if it's, you know, and he just rattled off. I mean, this if it's guy diagonal is high a left. It's segmented. seating depth and a tenth of powder out. Like I saw that, it was yeah, wild. It, it was wild, and I mean, this guy is Jack Neary. I mean, he has national record. I mean, these guys are just crazy good, right? But but the point is, they know stuff that we just oh, that's a flyer, and he and he would look at that group and say no, that's and he could explain things that we couldn't. You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. It's just, it's impressive. The more I talk to people, the more I realize that there's so much more out there that we don't, we're not even scratching the surface. And I love, I love that moment in my brain when I realize that I don't know something because it's very, it's very, it's a positive experience because I know that, okay, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not winning every match, but there's something that I don't know. And if I do know that, or I figured it out and understood it a little better, then I might be able to leapfrog myself to the next spot. And that's that's where Francis and I forged this friendship, and that's where we started these conversations. And well before the podcast, I mean, everybody knows, we would talk every day on the way to work, and we still talk and have those conversations. Now we're just trying to record them and let everybody kind of hear through the process. But I really thank you for uh, kind of being the catalyst for some of this thought provoking discussion especially on this topic but yeah this is a really before, good like i was listening to all of your other stuff um before you even had me on and and i think you're right you're you hit it right on where you said like these types of discussions are fun for all like they're i think they're more fun for the three of us than the people listening to <laughs> be quite honest because <laughs> yeah because we're talking through stuff that you know we we don't have absolute fact we don't have right not, you know we're not we don't have all the answers is what i'm saying but like knowing that you don't have all the answers to me is exciting because it just means that there's potential for you to improve. Yeah, it, it's amazing. So, so when you know how you said uh, it's amazing when you discover something yeah. that could potentially that give you an edge. Yeah, yeah, that you don't know. Well, I'm I'm uh, you know on on F class I have pretty much a circle of seven top shooters. Right, that's that's, that's my team. Uh, I'm part of that team of you know in those. I think we counted up. Amongst the seven of us, we have over twenty national championships. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a few. But, but here's here's the crazy thing, right? Because we share information, right? 
and I'll discover something, right? Because I shoot all the time and I'm testing and, and, and you know, because on my website, I have a, I'm going to plug my website right quick. Do it, do, <laughs> uh, do it, please. I have a, on my website, it's a membership, uh, you know, people pay a membership cost every month, $15, and they have access to to me and, and all the testing that we do and, and, you know what I mean? So that's where all the tests, I'm always testing, always doing different things, whatever. But I'll find something and I'll be like, hey, this is what I found. And one of them will say, oh yeah, I've known that for a long time. You know, and like, <laughs> why, when, did why didn't you tell us? And he goes, well, I just assume you guys knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so just because you discover it doesn't mean you're the only one that knows, but, uh, and but that's where this, if you discover it also doesn't mean that everybody else knows it and you just learned it late. It means you could be onto something that is not common exactly. knowledge. Yeah. So, it's good. I guess to me, this means sharing information with people around you is honestly the, it's the best way we all move forward. And we set a new bar for ourselves. And we, I don't know if we, yeah, we talked about this while you and I did your show, um, way back when we did the video on the, on the, the blog. Um, it was about, about a year ago. Yeah. It was about a year ago when we did that one. Um, by the way, plug the other, your other channel on YouTube is what, which one? It's the champion oh, circle. Uh, b- believe, Believe, believe the target. Believe the target. Yeah. So when we talked about that, we you know we talked a lot about elevating the sport. Meaning, if everybody around you is getting better, and you're all of a sudden you're mediocre or average, then you know that's we, a lot of people view that as oh man, now it's just harder to compete. And we're both no, no, no. This means we all have to do even more, and it's harder for some. The next step is so hard that if I find it before someone else, it's even harder for them to catch up. Because it takes oh, yeah. so much more effort to get that next next. That is quintessentially what we're saying is, you know, the more you share, the faster everybody rises, but the more difficult it is for everyone to separate, which means when you do separate, oh man, you're you're talking about like world championship, multiple winning type of secrets, but it's not because of a secret. It's because you have progressed to a level that everyone else needs to take big, big, big steps to catch up to you now. And that is... So, the coolest part about some of our sports. We had this discussion as well because, you know, we all stay at the same house when we go to national. So there were seven of us there and just, you know, we're having discussions. Uh, and that came up. I said, man, it's amazing how good these shooters are now. Like the new shooters are like, they, they shoot cleans like on a regular basis, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and they go, and that just goes that there's so much information out there that they can just go and get. And, and, you know, and one of my teammates looks at me and goes, thanks a lot, Eric. Because <laughs> <laughs> I put out so much content. But I, but I go, well, well, we still can beat them because they, they still don't know how to read the wind, right? And the benefit of a, of a national championship, it goes on for three days, yep. right? So they can't just beat you in one day because they have to beat you for three days. And, and the wind and all that, I said, I said, and if they win, then they win, right? But that just means we're falling behind. Mm-hmm. We should have the advantage because we, but anyway, the, the, the point is it's, it's good that they get really good, really fast because that just pushes us to just keep going and keep trying to find the next thing. Uh, when I started shooting F class, nobody was annealing. The hybrid bullets didn't even exist. Right. The, <laughs> That's the a long time ago, dinosaur. Now we're talking, is, like, you know, at least 10 years, 15 years. Oof. Oh yeah. That's yeah. What, late nineties, 2000. Uh, 2008, I started, okay. and the hybrid I think came about in 2011 or 12. 12 yeah, 
So, so now what we do back to the sharing information is like, okay, we have, cause I'm the captain of the team, right? So I'm like, okay, new rule. We share everything, even if, if it seems pointless to share it. Right. Yeah. And, and then when I find something, I let them know, Hey, this is what I found. Go test it for yourselves. And then they go test it and they come back and go, I got the same results. This is great. Or, Hey, I, I didn't get any, this, this didn't work for me. Well, let me try it again. Well, it still works for me. Well, try this. Nope, still doesn't work. Try this. And then I'm like, oh, crap, it wasn't that. I, yeah. I didn't find anything useful. It was just something else that was actually doing, you know. Uh, Using those Let's try you. that. You yeah, know? crowdsourcing, essentially crowdsourcing a larger sample of repeatability, right? You're not relying only on your components and your testing, which could be biased and it could be, you know, difficult to get that consensus but if other people can duplicate what you've found or what you're testing or what your own uh your then what your method is producing then and they're getting a similar level of result or differential um man that's that's really right. good that's good science so to speak yeah, and so. francis and i have confirmed and worked through issues that neither one of us knew the answer to or found something and then had the other person confirm it but i can tell you to this day there's still things that we are talking about that we don't have the answer to yep and i don't want to get into them on here but we are Actively, actively, um, always trying to dig deeper into one area or another. Uh, maybe that's a good uh, private conversation for yeah. another time. <laughs> the, so, the three of us can have. Maybe Eric, why don't so, we do this? Why don't we like we're getting close to a little over an hour? Um, can we recap all the points that we've got? Um, I, I yeah, kind of think so, at this uh, point where we've talked about the uh, bullets, precision, kind of getting on target. Flyers, do they exist? So maybe recap what you think a flyer is, and then if you had to say five bullet points to help someone go from, quote, big group to down to a small group in order to get the most bang for your buck, um, whatever that would be, what do you think those well, are? Well, flyers, so. flyers uh, like I said, the more I think about it, the less I think they, they exist, that they're just simply an unexplained shot that we just don't have the answer to. That, that doesn't mean, I mean, I guess as of right now, let's, we're going to have to call it a flyer. Uh, but it would have to be, let's just say, three times the radius of the group for me to say that's a flyer. I'm comfortable right? there. Yep. Yeah. Me as um, well. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two, we discussed, obviously, that sometimes a flyer is just a, an error that we just don't have an explanation for. And like I did, I went to go chase it, and I found it. And it's like, okay, it is no longer a flyer. It's simply an error in my reloading process which has since been fixed, has been tested, and no more flyers, okay? Uh, my flyers have, over the last decade, drastically shrunk. So even when I have a flyer, quote-unquote flyer, they are closer to the group. Okay? Yeah, and you gave that so example about that point, that, that eight, where you dropped an eight. I mean, I guess we would say that that was right on the edge of this three times your group size, but you determined that was yeah, a flyer because radius, yeah. because uh, you, you tried to correct for it. Yeah, no, that was like four or five times the, the, the mean radius or the radius. Okay. Yeah. It was but I way thought down you had there. like and an eight, is, and you didn't want to correct for it. Oh, yes, and, yes, during the team match, yeah. correct. So that one technically was like well outside the bounds of your expectations, and when you corrected for it, um, you ended up, missing again yeah but so. then ever since we've been thinking about that one because it was perfect waterline and in f class right you're shooting at a target and um you know it's windy and every time you make a hole in the paper they put a paster over it right yeah so 
sometimes what happens is you shoot, let's say an X, right? And then you shoot another one right on top of that one. But it was just, just off to the side of the spindle enough that it pretty much made one hole, but the spindle stayed in place, right? Right, yep. And when the scorekeeper, whoever's pulling the target, goes hunting for it, they may find a, a, a hole out there that maybe the paster got blown off of or something that happened, right? Because you're never kind of looking outside out there if you're shooting well. He may have went looking for, for a shot and found a hole and said, oh, here it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. That may have happened. Right. You know? So, again, is it a flyer? I, I don't think it is. I think if we were to really dig into it, we might find an explanation of what happened. Uh, so, uh, I, I think flyers... As of right now, we're just going to say they exist, but I think what most people... I, I, I don't think being outside the group automatically makes it a flyer. Right. I don't think yeah. that's the definition. Just getting closer and closer, the further away from three times the radius, the more confident you are. There is likely something else going on. All right. What about in terms of shrinking shrinking groups or better, maybe a better way to say this is identifying your rifle's precision ways to reduce it so that you get the most out of your rig. You buy an off-the-shelf, I mean, you're, the Six Needs More Project, I love that name. The Six Needs More <laughs> yeah. Project is a really good example. Six Five. Um, six Five Needs More. That's a really good example of, like, you know, how you can change, you know, precision of a stock rifle system that would be what the average beginner would pull off a shelf all the way down to right. approaching our custom level rifle consistency. The best thing that I can tell people is go shoot at 100 yards with purpose. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's good. If it doesn't shoot at 100, it's not going to shoot farther out. I <laughs> <laughs> love that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's better another one, right? 300 yards is yeah. one hole, but no, I just can't shoot at 100 yeah. for groups. The, the bullet the gives bullets time to go to sleep, so <laughs> guess what? I dip mine in NyQuil. <laughs> Those NyQuil rounds are potent <laughs> coated bullets. So a hundred yard practice, but, but you know, with purpose, kind of oh, like yeah. we discussed, right? You have to do it with purpose. Dry firing. I know hate, people hate dry firing, but I it don't. is one of the best <laughs> things it. you can do. Uh, shrinking your groups, obviously, you need to have good components. The three Bs, right? Brass, barrels, and bullets. Yep. Uh, you have good brass, good barrels, and good bullets. You're most of the way there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so you're going to need the three B's. You're going to need to practice with purpose. You're going to need, uh, you know, uh, be consistent. I, I, I hear people that they ask me, do you kneel? Uh, do you kneel your brass? I go, yes, I do. They said, how often? I'm like, well, every time. Every time. Every time or no you know, time. Well, I, 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 I do three or five times. I'm like, well, why not just do it every time? Well, I don't think you need it. Well, then. <laughs> You're automatically being inconsistent. It's the right? worst of both worlds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like just, just, just whatever you're gonna do, do it every time. I, I trim my breast every time. I, mm -hmm. I, I do the exact same thing every time to that breast. Right. I like Clean the forest dump approach. My brass is like a box of chocolates. I never know what I'm gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, clean your barrel. Again, yep. consistency. You can mm -hmm. you can keep it consistently clean. You cannot keep it consistently dirty. I don't care. I mean, it ain't gonna happen, right? Same same 
just clean your barrels. That's another thing that we find out in the 6.5 needs more, and some something we're going to have to get on, on, on another discussion. But uh, we've been using IOSO and abrasive from day one, mm-hmm. like five shots and clean, you know, and whatever. We have yet. They have over 300 rounds. They have yet to speed up. Wow. Well, two rifles. Yeah. But anyway, that fits. They yeah. are consi- we'll, we'll the point later. is they are consistent from, from day one when they were brand new to now. The speeds are still consistent. So clean your barrels. Don't be afraid to clean. It ain't going to, you're going to learn how to shoot this rifle. A lot of people say, well, mine needs 30 rounds or 50 rounds to foul. If it needs that many, then you need to change your load or something, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and just maintain your equipment. Maintain your equipment. Uh, I you think know, those bullet marry, points will marry give you the, the best scope, chance. Marry the optics, date the rifles. Mm-hmm. I like this. I agree just, on all those points. <laughs> yeah. Get you as good as optic as you can get because you can always transfer that. I mean, you can keep a scope forever. You and know? On that regard, I think uh, Chad and I are Mormons. We have multiple wives because we're married to calibers as well. <laughs> we don't like changing. <laughs> so well, marry yeah, your and, optic and, you know, and your caliber and then go live with it. Well, that for goes a while. back to consistency. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, don't be. Uh, and don't expect a cartridge to make you a better shooter. Yeah. Uh, just, again, copy what the guys that are winning are doing. Just copy everything and start there. Well, the cool thing in your, your um, say, expecting a caliber to win for you, the cool thing is, like, if you look at the top ten on the PRS, they're not all shooting the same caliber, um, and they're winning. So I think that right. uh, that goes to say that the caliber doesn't win, you know? Yeah. Correct. Well, yeah, because you guys can give me whoever, hopefully it's one of you guys. You guys are on the way to the finale, so good luck to both of you. Thank you. But uh, once one of you wins this weekend, I can take your rifle. You can have it. If I win, you can have it. there's no way I can beat you guys. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. There's no way I can beat you guys. My rifle will be for sale if that happens. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to the finale with 2,100 rounds on my barrel. You can have it. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's a it's a it's a full system. The system includes the rifle, the cartridge, (laughs) the the bullet, the shooter, the bag, the the rear bag, the the, the, everything. It's a full system. So Mm -hmm. the less you change it, the better off you're going to be. Cool. Yep. Well, awesome bullet points. With that, I I have to make a pit stop. I drink too much coffee, so. All right, guys. Thank you. Good luck this weekend. (laughs) Thank you. Great conversation. Appreciate it. Likewise, Eric. Uh, I still don't think we got to the bottom of what a flyer is, but I think we made some leeway on us to uh, at least give people things to think about. I think that we'll get some uh, blowback, backlash, comments, excitement, or whatever, and then we'll take it. Yeah, and I think we'll take that and expand on it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It'll be good. Perfect. Cool, man. Good luck. Uh, I will have you guys on my. on my channel, Let's do it. Uh, interviewing the, the finale winner, one of you two. All right. So, <laughs> I want to put on the schedule, so, so right. now it's up to you to make it happen. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to, how do we, so when we talk. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right. All right. Have a good one. You Thank you. It. Take care. All right. Bye. See you. Bye-bye.